Hi there, I'm Emma Kiesling. I'm Sydney Allen. And this is Uncovering Publishing, the UCL Publishing Podcast. Today is a little bit of a different one. Um, We're mixing it up because I've been sick for a little while. um, And also because we're still in the process of getting some really awesome guests lined up. Yeah, everybody takes some time to get back into it after the holidays. And we also had some final reports to finish up. Um, But we'll have a great little episode, kind of a mini episode with just Emmett and I today. Yep. uh, We have three different segments to talk about, uh, all industry related, all add something new, I think. And a lot of it, I think, is kind of reflective because we're done with term one. It's 2023. So doing kind of that cheesy looking forward 2023 prediction stuff and then also looking backward. Um, So the first one is Uh, looking at our first impressions of the publishing industry since we both came from the U.S. I wanted to kind of take a second to think about what our first impressions of the industry are now and how they might be different from what we thought the industry would be like when we first moved here. So for you, Sydney, the first one, um, what are some of your first impressions? Um, I'd say that my first impressions of the industry were that it was going to be really, really difficult to break into. Um, But I also felt like the people that we met were quite nice. So those would, I'd say, those are my main first impressions of the industry as a whole. No, I like that kind of a negative. This is going to be really hard to get into, but a positive, everyone is really pleasant. I agree with both of those. Yeah. How about you? I also agree that it's really hard to get into, but for different reasons than I guess I originally thought. Uh, I was at the Penguin Random House offices earlier this week um, with my mentor, and one of the women I met there just, I was said, you know, what do you suggest? What do you recommend in general? And she kind of had a vibe of like, just don't stop applying to things and don't give up. It seems very much like a like a sta- a game of stamina, like who can <laughs> keep wanting to be in publishing and keep wanting to do it longer and sort of take the most shit, if that makes sense. So that's not necessarily yeah. a very positive one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then my other one was pretty niche and it was about the role of editors because I think um, I had read a book called The Editor of Genius about Max Perkins a couple years ago. He was this famous New York editor for like Ernest Hemingway and Tom Wolfe and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And what he did was a lot of, I'm going to read the manuscript. I'm going to work with the author to try to make it a lot better. But I think through all of the lessons and the people that I've talked to, it seems like being an editorial and specifically being an editor or having the actual title of publisher involves a lot more than that and it seems like a really general uh job and role that requires a bunch of skills as opposed to what I think the stereotype of just you're an editor you sit in your room and you like read manuscripts all day so I think that was also a first impression yeah no I love that actually because I keep learning more about the editorial role like even just commissioning editor versus an editorial assistant versus an editor just plain and simple um all so different from one another Yeah. And I think industry professionals are very aware of those slight differences in title and they can mean a lot to people in the industry. But when you're outside of it, it's kind of like, you know, why is this important? I can see that. And then how have, well, I guess that's a big thing of what's changed. Did anything else 
change for you? I know for me, um, in terms of getting into the industry and how hard it is and people yeah. being nice, I definitely still think everybody is lovely. I've yet to meet a mean person in the industry, and I hope that, that it stays that way. An outright um, mean person. No one has been <laughs> rude to our faces. Yeah, no, I'm actually kind of shocked that nobody's been rude yet. Yeah. It feels like the law of averages that shouldn't have happened, but honestly, it's really been that lovely. Um, in terms of difficult to get into, I will say that I, I still think it's a difficult career to get into, but I will say that almost like whoever your uh, connection is at Penguin Random House, the idea of if you keep talking to people, mm-hmm. um, like that's how you're going to do it. And I will say, given that everybody is quite kind, I definitely think the more I talk to people, the more secure I feel into future and publishing. Like I really, I'm starting to feel more possible than it was when I started this master's program. Definitely. So an exciting thing. And, and part of that is um, thanks to the program that we're in. I mean, they deserve yes. their flowers for making it all a lot more accessible. But I'll also say when I was coming in, I heard from a lot of different places that it's hard to get good resources on publishing and to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on in the industry. And I think that's totally untrue. When we went to the um, Society of Young Publishers Autumn Conference, everyone was throwing resources at us, places we could go, websites we could follow, mm-hmm. way more free uh, information than I was originally aware of, or, you know, because we were just directed to the bookseller and things like that. So that was a really positive thing to learn that there's actually a lot more out there if you look a little bit yeah definitely and I really think it's like as soon as you just even dip your toe in networking like the SYP it's so great yeah Um, and even just a few meetings there and already the resources that they've provided it's just crazy yeah Um, so they're great it's a huge positive all right so that is our first impressions we're gonna keep it moving into our second segment I'm kind of excited. It's kind of playful. I I lied to you a little bit when I suggested this because I did do uh, a blog post about this. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. I want to say a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So I had some time to think about it. I, I also went back and I have other, other ones, but um, so I'm not being entirely fair. The idea of this is we are going to make two predictions each. Um, the other person is going to rank that prediction on a scale of one to five of how much they agree with it, right? So if I say, I think that, oh gosh, I can't even think of anything like ridiculous. <laughs> but if 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 I say like, I think I'm going to publish a book and it's going to blow up and become the best-selling book in the world, right? Then Sydney can say a one for no, that's never going to happen. That's ridiculous. Or a five for yes, I think that's 100% going to happen. So Sydney, I'll throw it to you first. What is your first 2023 prediction? Okay, um, this is my fun one. I have a fun one and a sad one. Um, oh no! I, <laughs> I think given the success of Spare, that we might see some similar memoirs come out from people that wouldn't typically write a memoir. Not not William, because I don't think that's going to happen. I saw that on TikTok the other day, people being like, okay, now when's the William uh, memoir it. called Air going to come out? The spare uh, air. <laughs> it's, it would be perfect. I don't think that will happen, but who knows? I think maybe some, 
I don't know if I can say this, but like lesser Royals, who knows, um, mm. might shoot their shot at it. It's obviously- They could definitely make a lot from that. That's People would it's read a great- You'd yeah. have to be, I guess, I don't know the dynamics, but maybe you'd have to be a little bit removed from it to actually be able to do so. But the money seems to be quite good. So that my prediction is that we might get some um, some tea from other people in the royal family and some books. Okay. Um. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Because I feel like the success of this prediction depends on how tight a chokehold the royal family have <laughs> yeah. or want to have on their media because they might decide that the best course of action for them is to hit back with their own memoirs that are very positive about the monarchy or they might be like we're just going to be completely tight-lipped we're going to try and let this pass over so you know what because I think the editors are going to be very tenacious about finding people Mm -hmm. who want to do this now that the sales have been so high I'm going to give it a four I'm going to agree with it to a four yeah I like that one right and you I'll do my my first one I'll I'll make fun as well but it's kind of crazy I I wanted to make it like a little bit out there um but I've seen rumblings on Twitter and TikTok for so long about how broken YA is as a genre and I think it's just waiting to be disrupted and remade a little bit uh, there was a there was a trend on TikTok recently about this book would have been classified as YA if it had been written by a woman. So it was like Bre- Brian Sanderson that would have been YA if it was written by a woman. And then they went on to say like Game of Thrones, which is a very extreme example, right? Wow, yeah, but I wouldn't have guessed that one, but <laughs> that one's that one's a bit out there. But the point was like you're getting books put into YA that are just not necessarily for teenagers, right? And vice versa you're getting I don't know it's I just think it's a really um insufficient category when there are so many other great ideas about ways to do it but I do think it would be really really hard to disrupt just because of the really sort of segmented way that the industry works that's my that's my wild prediction disruption in YA Okay, I want that. So I'm going <laughs> to give that a high rating because it's so true. And I think I really miss when YA had that, oh God, that dystopian era. I also like, saw a thing that was like, here's how Divergent like ruined yes. YA. That was, and it was thriving before that. It was so good. And I love a good YA that is unapologetically and authentically like actually YA. I will still read that. Absolutely. If it's, you know. No, but Divergent really did ruin everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because that's just the general consensus. So obvious, like honestly. But um, I, I love a good YA book and I really want that disruption to happen. Um, so I'm going to give that in the next year yeah, I'm gonna give that a five actually, because I also think that with new adult coming out as its own kind of section, that it yeah. gives the young adult more room to kind of grow into itself. So if we can really dominate that new adult area and solidify that as its own genre, I think it's gonna give YA the space that it really needs. Wow, I did not expect you to give that a five. I thought that was really out there. <laughs> really? I well, maybe it's just because I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just speaking it into existence. 
I see these really also on TikTok, but I saw a shelf for the YA books. And those, I'm telling you, they were not YA. Um, and it's so frustrating because there's some authors who really want to write like, you know, excellent books for like mm-hmm. 15, 16 year olds that are like not. Oh, my gosh. No, because sometimes like if I ever see Penelope Douglas on a YA shelf, something or Katie Roberts. No, honestly, <laughs> something's not horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, power to them if they want to read it. I don't mind, but I wouldn't classify it as YA. So hopefully that kind of a better distinction comes out. Well, that's a really good point. If you're 17 and you want to read an adult like Penelope Douglas, that's mm-hmm. perfect. There's no laws saying that you can't do that. Right. Um, and also, it's not like the things, the ads that are getting targeted at you will only be YA. It's just, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So what is your what is your second prediction? So this one's less book related more publishing industry related and it's my sad prediction um oh gosh, I'm I, I think that there's going to be no change in salary um over the next year and given all of the U.S. based strikes I think we might see a little bit of that over here wow would- that's dark it is dark, but I don't know. I feel like I keep hearing about all these strikes and I'm shocked that the publishing industry in the UK hasn't had one yet, especially since the yeah. US one is really living in that moment right now. Yeah. And we're having a lot of strikes in the UK for other things. Right. And the industry here, I feel like there's been a couple times when we've looked at each other having been told starting salaries, mm-hmm. like this is so far below what it would be in the U.S., even with, like, the currency and cost of living and everything. How is this happening? Just, like, it's wild. Oh, okay. Um, But then again, a lot of the people I've talked to here do not seem, like, important caveat, people who have the jobs that everybody wants in publishing, they don't seem super up in arms about it fair I give it a three I don't know okay that's a fair honestly I'd probably be around there too um I think we have have to see what happens in America first that's true I loved what was the thing oh just that classic phrase passion doesn't pay the bills honestly um and I hate to say it because as when I was younger I definitely in my head passion could absolutely pay my bills um because I would <laughs> I wouldn't mind living in some what I thought a tiny little cottage with a garden would be so cheap but now we're in London where that's where you right. kind of have to be and just to pay your rent <laughs> a publishing salary starting sometimes won't even get you you know a flat by yourself right. do I have one more I think oh yeah you I think I have one more okay, I think I only did one more and I might come up with one I don't know Okay, because I because I do have two more if you want. Oh gosh! But okay. since you went since you went sad, I'm gonna go sad for my next one. Sort of to me personally, I think that dark academia has had its peak, and I think it's gonna start being less popular now because I've seen in the past two or three years a lot of really excellent dark academia has been released. And not all of it has been noticed necessarily, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think 
we're seeing the last wave of it. Not that there's not going to be any, but yeah, I just think it's it's on the way down. That makes me sad for you. Just you know, like, no, it's like my thing. You love it. <laughs> oh. oh, but even I like it's crazy. I haven't had a chance to read all of the even really big dark academia books that have come out. There's one called Bunny. There's one called The Maidens. Like there's a bunch that are really quite popular that I just haven't gotten around to. It's on dark academia lists. That doesn't always mean that it's actually dark academia. (laughs) It's on the list. Hmm. I'd say I'll give that 3.5 four-ish because definitely they are popular on TikTok and maybe somebody's just writing them. Who knows? I think that the dark academia vibe like fits in really well with an aesthetic that people are going for right now too. Mm. And they kind of double up on one another. I don't know. That's, that's difficult because I personally haven't read much dark academia. So. Well, that's fair. I, I invite but you I guess to disagree with me and <laughs> give it a low score so that I can have more dark academia in my life. Yeah, I'm trying to be mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Let's move on to segment three and then we can do extra predictions at the end if we have time but I want to get to all of them um our third one is closely related to the mission of the podcast talking about ways to get into publishing and advice from people in the publishing world obviously we haven't had we've had discussions with other people in the industry who we haven't had on the podcast I know I've been to different SYP events. We had future book. So I thought we would give some of the most common pieces of advice we've heard from everyone around the industry, including tutors at UCL, just friends we know who are grinding this out too. Do you want to go first? I can go. Sure. And no, I think um, I'm getting like a sprinkling of different things. I'd say the the number one piece of advice would be networking and but it's like get creative with it I mean I can't even say how deeply this podcast has helped us I feel kind of get in front of other people and and meet people and we hear that a lot like Dan Kieran who we had on the show frequently told our class you know find different ways to get in contact ask if they can help you with your dissertation see like start a podcast start an instagram just different things that can kind of help you reach out to somebody in a very natural way um so i think that's that's a really good piece of advice and then of course networking events yes going to events things like that okay related to that uh a girl called mia who works at penguin who hopefully we'll have on at some point i'm not sure (laughs) She told a group of us, I think this was at SYP, I'm not sure, to be shameless. So when Mm. you're doing your networking, or even in my opinion, when you're talking to uh, tutors, professors, you call them professors, I don't know, Um, but to, to be shameless and to not be ashamed to just like put yourself in the front and center, ask questions that you have. You're not going to get anywhere, you know, being timid, which sucks, honestly, like if you're feeling timid or if you're having a bad day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I always tell myself to channel the mediocre white man inside of me. It's a very helpful <laughs> mantra. That. 
actually like on that too um joe one of the again professors in our program had a great little quote before she left us last night and she told us to get drunk and be bold that's so sweet that's kind (laughs) of whimsical get drunk and that's also so deeply English everyone here (laughs) everything is around drinking I swear all right (laughs) good gosh man um okay I would my next one would definitely be I went to an SYP like workshop thing this was quite early in the year and it was a whole panel of people who had different jobs in publishing And one of the questions was, what's something that's a really important skill to have to be able to show in interviews and on your resume and stuff like that? And they all said being able to prioritize and organize different tasks. Mm -hmm. And because if you think about it, it seems like a lot of people in publishing have lots of different job descriptions, lots of different hats that they're wearing at a given time. And being able to juggle lots of different projects, figuring out what needs to be done that day or the next day is really important, which I thought was a really encouraging commonality because I swear every single one of these people was like, yes, that's a huge skill to be able to have because everybody has that skill to a certain extent. And no matter what your past experience is, you can pretty much explain how that experience taught you how to have good prioritization and organization. So that was the other thing I really picked up on. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that actually, just in terms of interviewing, not so much on the CV, but just um, the number one interview tip I keep getting is uh, to have a hobby. I never thought that was, it's been mentioned more times than I ever would have believed. Yeah. Um, But having that unique hobby, something that you're genuinely passionate about, and it can't be that you like reading. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is so which hard is so for everybody in publishing because it because because if if no one lies to each other we're in publishing because that's our we like we all read yeah exactly in any other job interview that would be a great hobby to say exactly but in publishing they're like yeah obviously <laughs> you and everybody else has ever applied to this job um, and tell me you go paddle boarding on the sunset whatever I'm like good <laughs> right and you've got to have genuine passion for it but it really had me thinking about myself getting really introspective about <laughs> what I love I'm I'm not sure how I feel about this because it seems like a trend not just in publishing where you should not only be a qualified attractive candidate for the job but you also are selling yourself as a whole person and personality and mm-hmm. you know you should have these hobbies and I've seen a couple people say, you know, I like to just go home and watch terrible TV. You know what I mean? And like maybe go for a walk and then that's it. And those people aren't any less and probably not any less interesting because they don't have, you know, some wild hobby. I'm a little bit torn about that, but I do hear it a lot as well. Like have that thing that will stick in people's mind. Oh, that's the girl who, who breeds carrier pigeons like I'm (laughs) I'm not sure how I feel about it to be honest yeah because it's like I don't know I don't know how I feel about it right you know regardless of how we feel about it though that's it's a reality it works people yeah yeah I don't know ma'am all right um 
let's do one more before we wrap up. We can make it, let's combine the last two segments. We can make it a prediction or a piece of advice, mostly just because I have a prediction (laughs) that I want to give because my dark academia prediction was kind of sad. I do think that high fantasy, specifically high fantasy written by women is still on the up and up. I think there's a lot of really popular good high fantasy that's genuinely YA. I think that's a really cool space. I love reading YA fantasy, but I think that like adult high fantasy written by women, I'm hoping if I don't get my dark academia, that's what I would love. God, I mean, five, because I'm the way that <laughs> I want a whole nother series, just like Akatar that has me pounding my pillow, like just screaming at the <laughs> craziness and the plot twists and I the know. excitement and the romance. I want that so deeply. And there are so many high fantasy series that I love, but they're just deeply male. Like John Gwynn is this very famous fantasy writer and he's great and I love his series, but I'm just like, what if we had this, but it was written by why? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I'm looking for. I'll give another prediction. Um, and again, it's something that I'm hoping for. It's been mentioned in our class a lot is the space that really could take off because people are begging for it. But um, okay. queer high fantasy nice more, more of that. specific five yeah, ten it is 15 it, <laughs> yeah it is specific but it's like the way that people are begging for it somebody just needs to write it like a bunch of it yeah so hopefully if commissioning editors are out there listening there's an audience um it would take off so. Well, what's interesting about that is I think a lot of that has been commissioned, but not a lot of it has come out. And the Ooh. reason I say so is I see a lot of authors on Twitter and TikTok, which is where the book people are. If anyone's yeah. wondering where the book people are, it's Twitter <laughs> and TikTok. Talking about, you know, just pitching their queer high fantasy. But I haven't seen that out of a lot of traditional publishers so I'm like, yeah. some. it must be like the lull before the storm or something. Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. On that, I'll throw in one piece of advice too. Uh, okay. The number one, another number one advice bit that I've been getting from everybody was if you want to be in publishing, get a Twitter. Uh, yes. <laughs> I did yes. not want another bit of social media. I didn't understand Twitter, embarrassingly. Um, but publishing happens on Twitter. And I've heard that from almost every single person I've interacted with. So all of the biggest names in publishing or a lot of really successful editors, market, marketing executives, everything, they're very open on Twitter. So if you follow mm-hmm. like the right group of people, you just it's kind of cool. You kind of get to peek behind the curtain. I'm a big Twitter user. So if yeah, anyone wants to follow me queen. at 412 Emma. I also tweet about basketball, though. You can find me through Emma's because I don't even know my username. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Uh, We will have another guest for you guys next week. We will make sure, not next week, in two weeks. (laughs) We'll make sure of it, but we're not sure who it's going to be yet. So you'll just have to stay tuned. 
Perfect. Well, we will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks.